Hi folks, welcome to episode 21 of Internal Budget. As always, I'm Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com and your host for this here podcast. If you like it, thank you. Make sure you download, subscribe, or follow the show, share it with your friends, and give it a big old five-star rating. Please do that one for me. It goes a long way toward getting more ears on the podcast and helping me make some cool stuff happen. Last week, I told you I was going to use my platform to amplify black voices and do my part to work towards a positive change in our society. This is a hockey podcast, but today we're taking a slight detour into the world of football. Quote, I used to be envious of my friends hanging out in the wee hours on weekends and summer nights and could never understand why my mom wouldn't let me just kick it. Luckily, I understood it earlier, but to my homies, now you know why. End quote. Those are the words of my longtime teammate, opponent, and friend, Jua Galamulame. Jua and I grew up together in the Sudbury football circuit, with both of us eventually finding our way to the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. My cleats are now in the corner collecting dust, but Jua is entering his third year with the team as a linebacker. And as a young black man, he's been vocal on social media about the current civil unrest and in his support of the Black Lives Matter movement. He's a good man with a great head on his shoulders, and he is a voice that deserves to be heard. So please, give it up for my brother, Jua Galamulame. All right, Joe. Welcome, buddy. Thanks for doing this. No, ah, no worries. Appreciate it. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm I'm surviving. I think that's what I think that's the best you can say for everyone right now is we're just hanging on by a thread, but we're hanging on. So, man, I've known you forever, obviously, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit a little bit about yourself, my hockey audience here? Alrighty. So, um, my name is Joe Gamulume. Uh, born and raised in Toronto. Uh, Ontario, uh, but I moved to Sudbury, Ontario when I was about, uh, I want to say 12, 12-ish, 10 maybe, someone in that range. I'm a first-generation Canadian uh, to Congolese parents, both were immigrants, uh, been living in the country since I want to say the early 1990s, uh, and I have a few siblings, uh, <laughs> we all have grown up in Canada, we've seen a lot of things, we've grown to love this place, it's, it's our home. Um, we consider our home for everybody as well. Uh, I'm just happy to be here and talk to my friend Brandon, you know. <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit about your athletic journey? Obviously, you're a football player at U of T now. Uh, so why don't you tell everyone how you came to find football and the path that kind of led you to U of T? All right. Um, so in all honesty, the very first sport I actually played, I can, as far as I can remember, was probably basketball, and I was terrible at it. <laughs> like, absolutely god-awful. Like, I'm glad I know what my, my, my route is. Uh, but then I kind of found soccer, and through soccer, and I just started playing it competitively when I moved to Sudbury when I was about 11. And I continued playing the sport all the way up until, I want to say, grade 9-ish. And 
I've always kind of found football interesting. I never really understood the sport or the game or how it worked. The only time I really found myself playing it or watching it, sorry, um, before I played it was just the Super Bowl, like everybody else, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, I think grade nine, like I knew because of grade grade seven and eight, I had a couple of friends who played, uh, I guess, Joe Mack, which is the junior league or youth league in Sudbury. And uh, basically, uh, I always wanted to play and I just never had a chance to because I was always playing soccer. Grade nine, I started playing. I was god-awful. I'm not going to lie to you. I was, <laughs> in my opinion, I was the worst player on the field. The only responsibility that they let me do was kick a ball because I had a soccer background and I could kick a ball better than pretty much anybody else on the high school team. And then miraculously, uh, I want to say grade 10, somehow, some way, first day out there, first game, um, I'm the starter and I've earned that spot and I, I played a great game in my opinion. First two carries or two long touchdowns. Uh, and then from then on, I just knew like, Hey, this, this is something for me. I'm good at it. I excel at it. Uh, I do my best and it just got better and better over time. Started playing more competitively, joined a club team, a local club team, um, started competing with these guys, meeting new players, learning new systems, learning the game for what it is from a different perspective opposed to our high school game and the coaches that were teaching us there. Um, and as I further developed, I met more people, including yourself, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> we became teammates, I want to say, my grade 11 year and your grade 12 year or something like that. Yep, that was the one. That was the one, man. That was, that was a great year. I remember we won uh, the conference title and nobody, nobody believed we could do it. I don't even think at times we didn't believe it uh, Definitely until not. we did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, odds stacked against us. You know, a team of 20 guys going up against all these teams that have 40, 50, even sometimes 70 guys. It's just intimidating. But you know what? We competed. We just made the most of it. And um, honestly, if, if the reason why I'm at U of T is because Brandon Mackey, in all honesty, was a stud in club ball. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Nah, I gotta be honest. Like you, you, you made yourself uh, noticeable. You made yourself aware to everybody else, and because you got the attention and you got to U of T, and you you had just nothing but great things about you. So because of that, and your reputation, reputation, sorry, uh, was so. Uh, so what I'm looking for here, uh, I guess, great. <laughs> um, the coaches uh, really listen to you and they, they listen to your opinion about me as a player. And uh, luckily, I got on board and brought me in. And I've been there since. And hopefully, uh, next year, I get to start if I work my ass off, which I'm trying to do right now. Hey, man, they were, they were all over you before I even got there. So don't put that one on me. But yeah, those were some of the best years of my life, dude, playing for the Sudbury Gladiators. And we went on that Cinderella run, which, you know, no one believed in us, not even in our own town. And I think a lot of that has to do with Sudbury's very much a hockey town. Uh, so when you're playing football, you're automatically going to get less attention. You're going to be kind of an, an outlier in the rest of the city, which makes your perspective a really unique one, because not only you, were you a football player in a hockey town, but you were a black kid in a city that's predominantly white. So tell me a bit about what that was like and what were the, some of the challenges you faced because of it? Mm -hmm. Well, initially, um, coming from Hamilton and growing up there for the first 10 years of my life, 
I was used to seeing a lot of black people, honestly. I had a lot of family. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of people within my own community, essentially. Um, there was a lot of black people around me, and it was, I was accustomed to it. When we first moved up to Sudbury uh, 10 years ago, this place was not as diverse as it is now, not even remotely close. Uh, when I remember, the first thing I remember is getting to school that one day, the only reason, or the only, only reason why we chose a school is because luckily we had some family who had moved here literally a few months prior to us and they'd gone to this school called St. Andrews. Uh, so I had my cousins there. They were the only black kids in the school. And then we showed up, we, at least I knew them, so it was, it was the relationship was there, so I didn't really have to build too many relationships. And through them, I met, I met through new, uh, new people. And, you know, from then on, it's just like, as I progressively got older, it was more black people. But, you know, there was always that sense of, uh, uh, it's not disinclusion, but uh, there's always a sense of non-inclusion because, you know, you're, you're not the same in a sense, you know. Uh, there's, you're always going to be out there, you're going to be the only black person in your class, or even sometimes the only minority. And even though we're in Northern Ontario and there's many Aboriginal people in this part of Ontario uh, and Canada, there was not too many in that school as well. So many times I found myself as the only minority. Um, there's so many instances I can remember of like, man, like I was, I felt like I was treated differently because of the color of my skin. For example, uh, man, like, <laughs> The very first time I moved up north, uh, I was around in grade four, and uh, I guess was playing recess with some friends, and I guess, uh, I don't know what made this guy say, say what he said, but he was in my class, and he just, uh, at the end, we're in the line, we're just sitting in there, and we're just joking around with each other, and he just goes off and says, nigger, 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 just playing with that word. I never understood what the power of the word meant, but I knew at the moment I was kind of hurt. I actually cried. I was sad. I was disappointed that someone would say that because I knew it was meant to hurt me. That's all I knew, but I didn't know how it hurt me. I didn't know why it hurt me until I grew older. Um, so it was always a weird experience. And then it was kind of weird because that was the last time I saw that kid for a while. And then grade six, he pops up. He's in my class again. Um, and we were in the same classes all the way through high school, all the way through my graduation, you know? Um, but I never, I was never one to like, just tell, tell everybody else, Hey, like, this is my experience with that guy to make them hate him. Like, no, I was never like that. I always knew like, Hey, him and his brother were kind of excluded from everybody else. And I was like, man, I'm not going to make everyone else hate you guys because of something that happened a long time ago. I understand that people can change, um, you know, and I could accept it. Uh, him and I just, we never really crossed paths. We just let it be. Uh, we never really talked about it. You know, if I could go back and change one thing, I wish we could talk and just express what happened and see what happened and see how he's feeling, and, you know? Uh, yeah. but you know, there's just things like that. When you grow up in an environment where there's not too many people that look like you, you're never going to be too comfortable. You're always going to be kind of excluded. You're kind of, you kind of have that sense of exclusion, you know? Um, you don't feel like you're the same. And you feel kind of less than some people sometimes. And some people make you feel like that. So it was tough at times. But, you know, I, I always found myself to, if the better the hard I portrayed myself to be or better person I portrayed myself to be, better people would be around me. And, and you know, uh, because of my parents, luckily the good uh, moral code that they, they taught and instilled into me when I was younger, 
I was able to see those people. And, you know, those people are still the people who are in my life right now, who are the people I call friends and family, you know. And I'm glad. I'm glad I've learned everything I've learned. I'm glad I've went through everything I've went through because I don't feel like I'd be me without that. I know for me, the game of football was instrumental in molding me into the man I am today. It taught me a lot of things about myself, some things I liked about myself, some things I didn't like about myself, and the stuff that would carry me through the rest of my life, especially now that you know my playing days are done. Uh, it probably did so for you as well, may- maybe even in a different sense. Uh, so how did football help you carve an identity for yourself and, and get you to that point where you are today? Um, maybe where... And I don't obviously don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe it helped you get to a place where you were more comfortable being in that black kid in a predominantly white town. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, before I started playing competitively, I, I didn't really have um, an identity for myself as a football player. And then after my grade 10 year of high school, I kind of established an identity as one of the better players in my age group as I had a good season. And then we uh, played together, I, not with you, but with other players. I played my first year junior varsity glides. And honestly, I think I was the only black guy. Maybe there's another black guy. It was Lee, actually, for a couple of games until he had to get called up for his age, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I was the only black guy on that team. And the entire time, I always felt like, hey, this coach doesn't really respect me because I knew how talented I was. And I knew I was better than the other running backs, but I didn't want to show it. Hey, I was always patient enough to understand, like, hey, man, good things happen to people wait. So I was patient. I waited for my turn. I waited so many times. And there's a couple of games where I stood out. And I really stood out. And I assumed, like, hey, man, if I play like this, you guys got to recognize it. You have to at least recognize the fact that nobody else is capable of doing what I'm doing. You got to put me on a different, like, uh, level, essentially. Give me the ball more if you want to help win. And we were losing teams, so it really was frustrating to not get the ball knowing that you could make a difference. Um, and then through, throughout that first year, I learned that, you know what, uh, football it's taught me one thing. It's like life is, uh, is a team game, essentially. It's not just yourself. Um, everyone around you, you play a role in their life as well, as much as they play a role in yours. And on the field became really apparent because man like I knew one thing like I always after that first year of high school I really felt like hey man I don't need anybody I can do this by myself I learned really quick really 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 quick especially like during my first two games that everybody matters on every play from your O-line to your quarterback to even your receivers making a block everything matters for it to work and I know because of that and through my experiences playing in the sport, I've learned that one thing that we can take away also from what's going on right now is that the only way we could change things is if we're together and we see the big picture together. And it's just equality and fairness and treatment that that's good for people, you know? Like, nobody wants to be treated poorly. And, yeah. And I, I just look at things like this and, and it breaks my heart. To, for example, the George Floyd murder, like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I looked at the video twice, and I couldn't watch the whole thing. I watched, like, maybe a couple minutes. It's, yeah. it's heartbreaking for me to see. Um, but I'm glad that people can see that it's not right. Um, and it's not 
I'm not against police. I, I encourage them to do their job because they really do ensure our safety all the time. I really do believe that. But at the same time, I just want to, I just want people to understand that, you know, we're human beings too. You know, we have hearts. We want to be treated and seen the same way you are. We want to be given the same opportunities that you are given, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of times in my life, even in high school and I'm thinking of school in life, uh, school per se, that, hey, uh, I, I did well in this assignment, but this teacher graded me much tougher than somebody else, even though I know I did much better. Um, there's many instances I could think of like that. And I'm like, man, man, do you think I would be graded differently because of, if I was white, if I was this or if it was that? A lot of things like that ran through my mind. But, you know, I knew I knew uh, the one thing, like going back to what my parents said, um, that they instilled me young. And again, it's, it's challenging. I know a lot of minorities have heard this one before. It's like... Man, if, if your wife friends giving a hundred percent, you ought to have give two hundred and fifty percent just to have the same chance. And that that same lesson stuck with me up until now. Because everything I have to do, I know I have to do a little bit harder. I have to work a little bit harder than somebody else because you know what? Just because of color of my skin, I might be looked at differently if I do something wrong or right. And I'm glad that I can see it though. Yeah. Compared to a lot of other people who can't understand it. And football taught me that we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, no matter sense. what, we're all in this together. And and I'm glad I'm glad I played that sport even to this day because all the guys around my team, we're not all black, we're not all white, we're not all just Asian or whatever, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. We're all in this together. We know that one player, the worst player, and the best player matter just as much to the team. And it's not just the game, it's practice, it's the camaraderie, it's everything. It's a unity together. And I'm glad that football taught me that unity really can make uh, a group stronger because, you know, the more you're divided, the weaker you are, right? Of course. Man, I've known you for a long time now, but over the past couple of years, I've seen you begin to kind of use your platform to highlight these racial issues on, you know, on social media and stuff. So, so what made you decide to start going about things that way? And using your socials, like your Instagram, your Twitter, whatever, to highlight these causes. Uh, and when did that shift come about for you? Um, in all honesty, like, uh, as far as I can remember, I've always kind of been, like, to myself, in a sense. I've been, I've always been, uh, I'm not an introvert, per se. I'm really extrovert. To be honest, like, I can talk to anybody. I feel like I can have a conversation with anybody. I have no problem with that. But social issues like that they've always kind of stuck closer to home with me because i felt like a lot of people could not understand and would never really get it from my perspective of what i'm really seeing and how i'm experiencing it but i've learned as i grew older and i matured that listen the only way those people who i think might not understand it would only learn if i expressed to them and showed them hey this is how i feel this is how my community feels this is how we feel as a group you know um, I can't just post all this stuff and not educate somebody or not, not even necessarily educate, but necessarily just give them a different perspective. And I know for one thing, through, through the last couple of years and, and maturing, maturing myself and growing as a person uh, emotionally, especially emotionally, to be honest, um, that if you don't speak, people won't listen at the same time, you know? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't express how you feel, nobody will know how you feel. So 
I feel like it's really important, especially as of late, that everyone kind of just shows like, hey, man, this is what's going on in, in the way I see it. You know what? I want to know how you see it. And maybe we can find a common ground where we can find it so it's equal for both of us, you know? So there's no conflict. There's, there's no problems where we can be successful and succeed together. Man, for me, you, you talked a little earlier about the George Floyd video. And my experience with that was I coach a football team down here in Toronto that's over 90% black. And, you know, some of those kids have found themselves on the wrong side of the law and whatnot, and they have a reputation. Like, I've seen them discriminated against, even though they're all great kids. That's just their reality, right? So I watched that video, and it was making me almost nauseous thinking about one of my kids coming across a cop like that, you know, and, and something like that happening to them. So... But even that, as horrible as it is, is an example of my privilege, right? Because I don't know what it's like to personally be afraid of being in that situation and that being a lived reality for me. So I can't imagine what it was like for you. Um, why don't you take me through the last couple, what the last couple of weeks have, have been like for you, you know, from the initial video to, to seeing the protests that have broken out across the United States and even here in Canada? Um. Well, the last couple of weeks, honestly, emotionally, they've been tiring, man. It's been tiring. It's been tough. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to find the strength in myself to express how I feel within the platforms that I have. I've been fortunate enough to find the strength in myself to express how I feel to the people around me. And... Luckily, all those people around me and the people on my platforms that seen what I've said or seen what I've done um, have encouraged it. So it's, it's brought me a little bit of joy to understand that people can see that we need change, you know. Um, but it's been really hard, man. Like, I sit there and I think, man, like, I have cousins all around the world. I have cousins in the States. I have family everywhere, you know. Anybody can fall victim to any of these acts of violence that nobody needs, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad to see, see, see another black man get killed like that and then see another black woman get killed like that in Breonna Taylor or see Ahmaud Aubrey die like that, you know? Just for the color of his skin. And it just goes back to, like, education, you know? I feel like uh, this, this last couple weeks have opened my eyes to one thing. It's like, the majority of those protests, and I've seen it from a lot of people too, and a lot of platforms, it's like the majority of those protests are headed by children in our age, you know, people who are 30 and younger who understand equality because they've grown up in a society where they've been equal to their friends and their friends of color, and they've seen and it grew up with them, opposed to, I want to say, our, our older, our great-grandparents, our grandparents, you know, who are more divided. Um but these last couple weeks have shown me one thing that if we educate ourselves now and educate our youth and as we get older, keep putting in the right values into the kids that we will see that change. Um, but for right now, like it's just been heartbreaking, man. I, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't sad or a little bit depressed at times seeing this stuff. Um, 
This shit hurts. Quite frankly, put it bluntly, this shit fucking hurts. This shit fucking hurts every time. And I don't even know these people, but I can only imagine because I know I have the same colorism, the same pigmentation, man. I may not be them, but I feel it. I've went through my own things. They've probably gone through many more down there than I have. I can even imagine. So it's just heartbreaking to me to think that after all this time and all the things that have happened, we can't even open our eyes to, to look at it for what it is. But no, everyone wants to blind themselves, put a blindfold on and see through a specific set of goggles that this is what I feel. And I'm not against anyone having their opinion, but for all the people that really think, hey, like, well, you know what? This is how I feel. This is what's going on, in my opinion. You're entitled to that. I encourage you to speak your mind. I really do. But be a little sensitive and think a little bit before you say things, because I feel like a lot of people don't understand words hurt just as much as fucking a fist or a gun, you know? And I'm glad that people can see that now, opposing they will see it later, you know? Hmm. Man, whenever the Black Lives Matter movement is in the news, you always get this vocal contingent of people who say all lives matter. Um mm-hmm. And even I myself used to be one of those people, you know, just because I don't think I fully understood what those three words mean, you know, mm-hmm. and and the power that they have in this situation. Um, yeah. Because on the surface, all lives matter. Like, that's a statement that's obviously true, right? Of course, every life Absolutely. matters. Like, I, I, idyllically, like, that's, that's the reality. So if you can... Explain your frustration with people that still think that way and still say all lives matter and and why their line of thinking is flawed. Um, I forget where I saw it. Uh, but I feel like people don't understand your protest against my protest um, diminishes what I'm trying to say. I'm not, people can't, I feel like people get caught up in thinking, oh, we only care about black people. Like, no, you don't understand it. It's not just about black people, man. It's about equality for everybody, even amongst white people. I know, I know, sir, I know if you really look at it, white people who have, uh, who are in a better economic situation than others are viewed differently from others, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens in every single race. I feel like people are getting. The idea of Black Lives Matter is intrigued with the idea of like, man, they just care about themselves. They only care like, oh, what's going on with their communities? Especially when people are like, hey, man, all, all these white people face police brutality too. I'm like, I'm not saying they don't. We, we, we never said they don't. We never, we never expressed that. We never said, hey, man, white people don't matter to us. Asian people don't matter to us. Aboriginal people don't matter to us. Uh, you know, we never said that. We cared for everybody. We are protesting for for change for everything. We we want equality for all. We want love for all. You know, we don't want somebody to walk down the street and be pulled over because you know what? You're black, and I think this other black guy did something. So you might look like him because your skin color. You may not even have the same fucking face, but you know what? You're black, and you look like him. And this happened to anybody. 
And it doesn't just necessarily have to be a black person. And, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that because they're just thinking, man, they're selfish. No. People are putting themselves at risk. People are getting shot at. People are getting gassed. And they're doing nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong for your freedoms and your peace too. And it's not necessarily, I'm not, we're not trying to diminish anybody or what they've done, including their history and their grandparents and the wars that they fought in. I just, I truly am a believer in, in the value of uh, discussion. I, I truly believe a lot of these problems and issues, including wars, could have been resolved by just people speaking. If you look back in history, a lot of tribal disputes amongst different races, a lot of times they would just have a chief, right? And the chief would be speaking to another chief. And that chief would be representing his people based off what they say and what they care about. Um, I feel like now we've gone to a point where we've tried to take the peaceful route. And everyone, everyone's trying. Uh, it, it's just hard for me to see it because... It's, it's, it's shitty because if I don't speak your language, you won't understand me. And I mean that in every, sense, every single sense of the way. I don't encourage violence. I really will, I'm against it. I really am against it as of late. And I've seen the destruction, uh, destruction it could do to people in their lives and the people around them. So I'm really against violence as of right now, to be honest. But I feel like a lot of people have to understand, like, if you can't understand me, I have to show you something that you'll understand. And it's shitty that it's caught to that point. It's really shitty, in my opinion. We, we marched this, black people marched this in 1960. It's 2020. That's a whole, what, 60 years later? Mm-hmm. And shit hasn't changed, essentially. Yeah, you may have rewrote your laws, your constitution. Even in Canada, there's so many things we don't talk about. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, for example, uh, one of my friends had mentioned on his on a tweet, like, hey, I'm glad that I'm born in Canada. And he 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 did it. He didn't, he, he didn't understand completely. And then he texted me. We had a complete conversation. It was just completely a uh, uh, logical dialogue, to be honest. And after that, he, he tweeted underneath it. He's like, man, like, he, he understood the insensitivity of it. And at the same time, he understood, like, he's also a man of color as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So he understood that, man, like, it's, it's more than that. And we have a history, too, in our country. And I feel like we have to teach that. We have to, we have to show people, like, man, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we can grow together, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's a mis- the message that has to be shown, opposed to just, just all this violence sometimes. But at the same time, like, the peaceful protests at times don't work. And when you have a leader like Donald Trump who, who just... Wax the way he does, it just doesn't help. I'd like to I'd like to go a little deeper on the violence thing, if that's okay with you. Because again, on the surface level, anyone can look at rioting and looting and you know, acts of assault or, or whatever and say, Well well that's that's wrong. Um yeah. and I again that's another perspective that I've seen before. Um, you know. I've 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 always kind of thought that acts like that they detract from the message of the movement, but Absolutely. as I, as I've gotten older and I've had more experiences and and talked to people like yourself who for you this is your lived reality, I, I 
what I've come to kind of glean is that it's it's a product of frustration building up. And Absolutely. it's easy for someone like myself who's never had to deal with this kind of systemic oppression to say, oh, well, don't go smash up stores because you're angry, you know? So, so if you can expand on that a little bit, uh, talk about that kind of, that kind of frustration and why, and you know, you, you said you don't condone acts of violence, but it sounds to me like you kind of understand it. So for those of us who can't, uh, why don't you try to elaborate a little bit on it? Okay. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to bring it to a different area kind of essentially, but sure. Sure. Um, when, when we look at, for example, what Drew V said about his grandfather's fighting the war, and you know what, that it really is an act of courage to go fight in a war that you really don't need to be in the first place, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, they went there to, in Europe in the 1940s, in the 19, early 1910s or hundreds, whatever, to stop systematic oppression for a lot of white people there. They knew there was a lot of bad things going on, and they wanted to stop and ha- uh, stop the oppression of Jewish people and for equality of all people there. And it's just mind-boggling to me to, to think that you went to go fight a war for people who weren't part of your country, but then you came back and treated those same other people who were part of your country like dirt, like straight-up shit. Um, people get frustrated when when they just repeatedly say something like I could, I've said in my, in my own life, I can name countless times where I've said something, said something, said something, and someone didn't listen. I just boiled up and said, I exploded. I didn't react physically or assault them or anything like that, but I've definitely said some, maybe a hurtful thing, or maybe I overreacted and said a couple of things I shouldn't have, you know? Um, but it's just that tipping point. It's like, when is enough going to be enough? I can speak to you as many times as I'm going to speak to you. You'll never listen. Looking at Colin Kaepernick, he took a knee four years ago and got ridiculed for it, lost his job and his career for that. And now four years later, we still are facing the same problem, but now we're going to listen to him. It's taken us to the point where we had to revolt. They borderline burnt down a couple of cities in the States. And, and it took that much for you guys to understand, man, people are hurting, even though it's been going on for 300 plus years. It just never made sense to me. How, how, how can you treat someone so wrong and, and act them not and expect them not to react? Um, I'm going to put it like this. Like, uh, if, if I hit somebody's sister or brother, you know, their first initial reaction is, I got to get you back after they yeah. take care of that person, right? Mm-hmm. You know? My brothers and sisters all around the world have been facing the same problem. They didn't ever get spoken on. People never really actually understand what's going on. Bring it back to the Holocaust. I want to bring another light to my background in Congolese. You know, obviously, what happened in the 1940s was one of the worst things in history, you know? But there's a lot of things that people don't even understand that have no other people. My parents are Congolese, right? And they both grew up in Congo and were fortunate enough to make their way to Canada for a better life for themselves and whatever family that they made. And luckily they did that. Um, but the systematic oppression everywhere. The king of Belgium dictated uh, 
Congo for about 60 years or 70 years. And over that time span, he killed upwards of 25 million people. But people wouldn't know about that shit. You know, mm-hmm. me probably telling you this is probably the first time you've probably heard of something like this. You know? It is. Yep. So there's many instances like that. Like you got to understand, like you got to look at it from both sides or even uh, North Americans going to the West port of, of Africa and just grabbing people and bringing them over. And then, you know, treating them the way they treated them, you know, labeling them the way they lead, labeled them. People get sick and tired. And, you know, when they get sick and tired, they do things that you wouldn't want them to do. They, are, they act irrational, you know. They, they have to because you won't understand when they're acting, irras- they're acting irrational. And it's getting to a point where people just boil over and they're just enough is enough. They've put their foot down 20,000 times. And you just stomped on it and brushed it off like it was nothing. So now they have to lay their body on the ground just for you to see it. And, and it's sad that it's gotten to that point, but, you know, people have to risk it sometimes. I don't condone looting. I don't I condone at all. Like, I know it's wrong. You shouldn't be stealing. It's, it's part of the moral code. But, you know, the destruction has brought in so much more attention even though it's sometimes negative, it's also brought a lot of positive attention to man. Like, man, now I have that many more eyes on me because you, you didn't see it before. Now I have the whole world watching me. And that's the only reason why it's kind of working at a sense because you've understood it. You, you see what we're going through. You see what we have to do for you to get our attention, for you to get our attention, you know. Uh, there's people in the world, like I saw in Palestine or Israel yesterday, who were protesting for Black Lives Matter. All the way over there, they saw it. It's gone to that point, you know? And mm. it, to think that it's taken that much violence, even a, that many deaths, for, for everyone to boil over and see, it's just it's sickening to me. It's really sickening because we could have just resolved this same situation by talking. But we've tried talking, and no one's listened. I'm glad you brought up Colin Kaepernick because that was one thing I wanted to ask you about. It's one of those things where, again, at the time, I didn't really find myself agreeing with his methods or his logic. And and mm-hmm. because I don't think I totally understood at the time, I've sort of begun to rethink my position on him and his protests since then. Yeah, Being a black athlete, what kind of impact did Kaepernick have on you? Seeing what he did showed me I can express myself. Even if it comes at the risk of my reputation, I know what is right and what is right. What he showed was a sense of strength that I don't think could be really matched. He risked it all. He really did. He gave up his career. He, yeah, was a, a play away from being a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and could have been a high, could have had a Hall of Fame career if he worked out. You know what I'm saying? If it worked out for him. Yeah, yeah. It show, it showed me that like, man, it's bigger than this sport. This is about life. This is about humanity. Like, there's a couple of times when he did that, I started thinking to myself, man, what if I did that in high school? I know I would have got ridiculed, I would have got ridiculed for it. And I didn't really understand our Canadian history as much, but I understood the mistreatment of minorities. I really did. Um, what he did, man, it really opened my eyes up because it really started making me look at a lot of things. It made me start looking at the world from a different perspective. 
and I did I I was never I was never brought up to hate anybody, and unfortunately some people are. So it showed me that like man, you're bigger than this. This this game isn't just this game is a game, but the big game in reality is our life, um, and everything you do affects it. So he showed me that like, if we were unified, we could have made that difference, but. It's just, it's sad that it cost him his career and people are only starting to realize it just now, four years later, that, man, it's, it's more than just, just the sport you play at a moment. It's more than what happens in the first 20 or 30 years of your life. It's about everything. It's about your generation, the one before you, the generation after you. Everything has an effect, no matter whether it's bad or good. And he shed a light that I don't think will ever be taken away now because... He made it understandable to everybody, like, yo, like, we all matter. Everyone cares for everybody and everyone loves everybody, but it doesn't show. And it's time that we actually treat each other the way we're supposed to be treated. The golden rule is treat somebody how you want to be treated, right? Yeah. And it's just sad that he had to show somebody, like, man, like, it's how I want to be treated and you guys can't treat me this way. And he tried to do it the most peaceful way. He risked it all, and he didn't get it done, unfortunately for him. But now, that same message is being conveyed years later. And I'm proud that I was with him. I was standing with him. Obviously, I couldn't do it figuratively because uh, I wasn't there in the States. Right. But I knew where my heart lied. I knew what needed to be said. Um, and I'm just glad that he did that because it makes having these difficult conversations with the people who don't understand that much easier because now they have a different perspective and everything that's going on has shed a light on what's actually seen or what hasn't been seen, you know? So I commend him for what he did. He's really a patriotic hero in my opinion. Jua, I, I know you're young, so you haven't, and you know, I'm not much older than you, right? Like, so we haven't lived through these watershed events in the past, like, you know, the civil rights movement and the Rodney King riots, but yeah. Does something about George Floyd's death and the protests that have erupted uh, in its wake, does this feel different to you than any other kind of period of racial unrest? Does this feel like it could actually maybe finally be a turning point? Absolutely. You know, um, if you look at, Things like if you look at the Rodney King riots and you saw how LA rioted back in the early nineties. Well, obviously we weren't there to experience it, but we've we've seen enough and luckily pop culture and social me social uh media and technology has given us that scope and that vision to see. You would see a lot of negative things that came from it. You'd see like, oh, these black people are acting like this. Now you can see the difference. It's not just black people marching down these streets, it's everybody. Uh, from white to black to Asian, Aboriginal, Indian, Muslim, whatever, any race, any sexuality, any uh, uh, religion, everybody's marching together because everyone understands now it's not about what I look like, how I feel, how I act, anything like that. It's about me being a human being, me bleeding the same red blood that you bleed, me breathing the same air that you breathe, you know? I, I deserve an equal chance to live and have the same opportunities that you have 
that you've been getting forever. Nobody deserves less. Nobody deserves more. Everyone deserves the same. And I feel like everybody understands that. You'll see a lot of these protests. For example, Sudbury one last week, it wasn't just black people marching. In, in a city that's predominantly white, there was a lot of white people there who understood the message, who understood, like, man, like, my voice matters too. I can be a change. I can be a change that I want to see. And I can see it throughout the entire country. Everyone understands it. Everyone's trying to ask the right questions. Everyone's getting involved. Back then, you would see a lot of people would be like, hey, like, uh, I don't want to touch it. It's a touchy subject. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to really portray anything. Like, did you see athletes like Michael Jordan in, in the 90s when Ronnie King got beaten up like that say something like that? Like, he may have said something, but was he leading a march? Was he, was he out there walking with the people? No. You see guys like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and all these NFL players and soccer players, everybody in the world saying something because they know it matters. Everyone understands, like, we're all the same. I love to see in this professional sports because everyone understands the, the quality of a team, right? So yeah. all these guys understand, like, playing with a black guy, I think, though, anything, right? They understand, like, man, we're the same. We matter to each other. And I've grown to love you and grown to love your people. And, and I've, seen, I've seen things I haven't seen in a while. Like, everyone cares for each other now. And, and I really think this will be a change. And if it isn't, it's unfortunate. But I feel like everyone understands that we can be this change. And we want better for our next generation. We want better for the kids that we will end up having, you know. We don't want them to go through the same shit. Like, my grandparents felt some shit. My, my parents have, done, have gone through some shit. I've gone through some shit. I don't, if I end up having kids, I don't want them to go through the same shit. And everyone understands that now. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy that you can see that. I know you're not a hockey fan, but that's obviously the sphere that I, the, the sphere that I kind of exist in. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's, you know, I, I cover hockey and that's, that's my passion. I yep. have never seen a moment in all my years around the game where so many players have spoken up about a social issue. Hockey is a notoriously homogenous sport. Everyone just kind of, yep. it's obviously predominantly white, but everyone mostly just wants to keep their head down. Players don't show much personality, like uh, interview questions and answers. They're all the same. But in this instance, it hasn't just been the black players speaking up. It hasn't been just P.K. Subban. It hasn't been just Anthony Duclair. It's been an, an, an amazing amount of white players have spoken up and said the right thing. You know, it hasn't, they haven't just come out with these cookie cutter racism is wrong statements. It's been like, you know, I understand that I have privilege as a white man and I need to educate myself and all these right, all the right things. So, yeah. and even in Toronto the other day, um, I wasn't at the protest. I'm, I'm high risk for COVID. So I have to be pretty careful, but I was seeing pictures and things like that. And every, and like, the, I couldn't believe the amount of white people. Some of the predict pictures I saw, they were almost entirely white people. So why do you think that is? Why do you think now you're, you're, we're seeing such a huge number of, white people and people who aren't black for lack of a better term, you know, yeah. stepping up and using their voices. Why now? Um, whereas maybe we didn't see that 20, 30 years ago. Well, I think technology is a 
pretty intriguing part because technology has shown us a lot of things we couldn't see before. You know, if you if you look back at like for example the Rodney King rides, you'd only see it on TV. You'd only get one perspective that the news outlet would be feeding you. Now because of social media and technology, you could see the scope of what people are seeing right there in front of them. You can see how this person is being treated. You can see everything. Before you could, you you'd have a lot of instances, but even before body cams and police officers were like, "Hey, man, whatever happened, whatever the police officer says in his report is what happened." There'd be no proof besides that. Now through social media, we can get a different picture. We can we can see through video cameras, like everyone's willing to share. Everyone knows. Everyone can see now. And the fact that nobody is really secretive anymore, and because of technology, everyone's everyone's out there essentially. The fact that you can't hide, the fact that you can't just lie anymore without someone coming here and checking you and, and saying what it is or how it is that they see it from what they saw, the fact that all that happened in the last 20, 30 years has changed it. And especially now because everyone's being held accountable. And that's the biggest thing, accountability. If you can't hold someone accountable for their actions, then what are you doing, you know? Um and it's our role as society to do that for everybody. You, we're all growing up taught one thing. Like, if you see something wrong, you got to act on it. You got to say something about it, you know? And now everyone's seeing it. You can't hide from your actions. If you do something, you got to be held accountable for what you do. And that's the biggest change, I feel. Everyone understands that. And on top of that, just built up frustrations of people being annoyed of being oppressed and the diversity of, of the world that we live in now is another change too. Um, being so diverse, people have relationships with people they wouldn't have had 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, you know? And those relationships have caused them to understand, you know what, this is my friend. I consider this friend, this person close to me. If something happens to them, I'll be hurt. And that has made them open their eyes. But at the same time, because they've opened their eyes to that person, they've probably opened their eyes They've probably helped other people open their eyes to so that same person's issues or problems because so they brought them into that person's life. Um, and I feel like those are the two biggest things, the diversity of this community that we live in, in society, and the technology that we use because it's making people much more accountable. You said near the beginning of the show that uh, you appreciate the police um, and obviously, you know, the good ones. And... Mm-hmm. that you understand that they have a role in our society. And I think one of the problems that we're seeing right now is there aren't enough of the law enforcement officers who believe and know that what they're seeing is wrong th- that are speaking yeah. up about it. They're staying silent, right? They're kind of holding yeah. that line. And I know it's been frustrating for some of those good police officers like you know me like you know i know there are police officers that are near and dear to my heart obviously so to the ones that are frustrated um that they're being kind of for lack of a better term vilified and you know there have even been law enforcement officers that have been killed in these protests and riots over the last few days that nobody's that there hasn't been much media coverage on so to those who are yeah of course it's 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 awful but but for those who if you could make them understand one thing about this movement and about your experiences as a black man, what what would that be? Um, 
I want them to know one thing from me, and, and this is from me. I don't, I don't speak for anybody else when I speak. Honestly, I speak for myself. And there's some things I can't speak for some other people, but I respect them. I really do. They're doing the job the right way. But for the people who who can't see it, and the people who do see it, you know, they just want one thing: it's accountability. You can't you can't tell me you can go kill somebody and then go to your family the next day like nothing happened. But if it's somebody else on the street who doesn't have a badge or a gun, gets thrown in jail and gets that key thrown away, they ain't seen nobody else. You can't you can't put somebody on a different pedestal because of what they do as a profession. In another job, if, if you're a surgeon and you you actually you make a mistake and you someone dies in your hands. That's it. If you're a teacher, you say some racist, blatant bullshit, and and the the, the school board and everybody catches wind, you're you're done. That's it. But for some odd reason, in that profession, they get away with that sometimes. I I don't get it, and that's the problem. If other if those good officers, those good officers do mean well. They really do. They really encourage. They help. They help the communities, and they mean the best for all those people. But at the same time, those good officers have to understand: for you to be also a good officer, like you, you want to be everyone. You want everyone to portray you to be a good officer. Good officers for your entire um, precinct or your your department. You got to hold your your bad apples that everyone keeps saying accountable. You can't let them do that. For example, Officer Tao, ex-Officer Tao, just stood there and watched, peeking back a couple of times as George Floyd died. Mm-hmm. He could have said, yo, man, get off his neck. He can't breathe. He could have said, hey, man, that's enough. Okay, he's good. He's not moving anymore. Get him up. But nah, you just sat there and watched. I'm not saying he's a good officer. I'm not saying he's a bad one or anything. Like that. I'm not, it's not my opinion to judge anybody, you know. Obviously, based off his actions, it's not the greatest things that he did. Um, but it just comes down to that. Like, if you can't hold somebody else accountable, like I can't really consider you good. If you if you mean if you mean well for the community, you gotta mean well for everybody. You gotta hold everyone to the same standard. And that's that equality part I'm talking about. It's not just the opportunity. It's like, man, you, you want to be treated fairly, then you gotta treat me the same way you treat somebody else. You can't you can't put somebody else differently because you're your friend. And I'm seeing a lot now that and it's actually astonishing, and I'm really happy to see it. You see a lot of people um, calling up their friends, you know. And I see a lot of, amongst the white community. I've seen it quite a bit. It's like, hey man, like that's not the right way to think. That's not the right way to act. That's not right the right way to say it. You know, look at it from their from their perspective. You don't know how they're feeling. You don't know why they're saying these things. You know, and. And that's just it. Like, if you can't be accountable for the things that you do, like, it's hard for people to see you the way you want to be seen. And that's just what it comes down to. You, you want to, if you want someone to respect you, you got to give respect, right? So, yeah. These people, that's all they want is they want their respect. Man. They will respect you. People saying "fuck twelve, fuck police," whatever you can say. But those people are hurt people. Those people are the people who who've been hurt in ways that you would never understand because you know what? Those same officers that you're supposed to instill out there and have out there to protect us and serve us, don't do that. They actually do the opposite. They vilify people. They profile people. 
they condemn people, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't they don't do anything for those people, you know? And and that's the problem. So you could have a good group and then a huge bad group. Everyone will just see the bad group, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even if there's a big group of good guys and there's only a few bad guys, everyone's gonna point out the bad before they put out the good. That's just how humans are, you know. So it just comes down to us being human beings and looking at each other as equals and treating each other the way we want to be treated, showing each other how we should be treated, opposed to just letting shit slide. If someone fucks up, you tell them they fucked up. That's the only way they learn. If, if, if someone does well, you tell them he does good because you continue doing good. And that's, that's what I truly believe it, it could take, just small things like that. If we cared about each other and we actually did the things we say we want to and we, we really feel, we wouldn't face a lot of the issues we face. But until someone holds someone that same accountable uh, level, a level of accountability, then you know you won't see those changes. And and that's the biggest problem. Like I respect people and I respect police officers, but I can't say the same thing for everybody else. I don't know what they're feeling. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm not them. I'm me. So. They just, they just want one thing, and it's just that sense of accountability to be like, hey, man, this officer fucks up. He better be sure he knows he fucked up so he doesn't do it again. If you take a life, you should be charged. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what you do. Nobody deserves to be, have their life taken from any perspective, any side. Nobody deserves that shit. So second, third degree, whatever the situation is, something that's accountable for that person, they should be held to the same standard that everybody else should be held to. And that's the problem that we really have. Nobody's holding them to the same standard. It took that many people, not the entire city getting burnt down for all four officers to get burnt, all four officers to get charged. If those were criminals, all four of them would have got charged just like that. Hmm. Just like that. But because they're officers, ah, uh, you know what? Only his neck, only his knee was on his neck. If you look at the other video, there's a guy on his back. This guy on his legs, those guys are still helping him. Yeah. Because they're helping him. They should be held to the same standard as Derek Chauvin. The guy watching back and not stopping it, same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. If this was on the street, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I said earlier, like, all four, all, all four guys would have been charged just like that, especially with video proof. And for that DA of the district to say, oh, we got to see any, we got to see all the information. The information is in front of you. You can't tell me you didn't see that video. You can't tell me you didn't see the other video. You can't tell me, oh, he was resisting arrest. Uh, uh, he was res- resisting arrest. That's not what the security cameras showed us. If that's resisting arrest, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's another thing. We make lawyers and judges go to school for years on end, and we let police officers go to school for an X amount of time that's not even significant, and they really control the law. You know? Uh, I'm not saying we should completely change that, but we should we should adapt it so there's more education for it, so people understand it. There's more social awareness and for your surroundings and the people you're you're judging, you know. And not everyone deserves to have a badge and a gun, but you know if if they have it, they have it. We can't change that, and I don't want them to change it. But all we can do is help make sure they understand, or at least help them learn to be better. Because what's all we strive to do is be our best. And if we can't let the people really control us be their best too, like, what are we doing? 
what are we doing? Yeah. If growing up in Sudbury has taught me one thing, it's that a lot of times people who hold racist or discriminatory beliefs, they're not racist because they're hateful, but because they're ignorant or because they're uneducated or because they yeah. don't they don't know, right? And yeah. they haven't heard from mm-hmm. well-spoken people like yourself who have been so open to share your experiences and, and try to make them understand. So how do we reach those people and how do we try to get them on the side of positive change? Because I don't believe in cancel culture, right? Like I want people who, who maybe don't find themselves agreeing with this black lives matter movement or people who don't understand that we need, you know, police reform, especially in the United States. I don't want to cancel them, have them lose their jobs and, and whatever, right? Because that doesn't help anyone. I want these people to be on our side. So like Drew Brees is a good example of that, right? You talked about him earlier. Uh, he retracted his statement and he said, look, like I was wrong. I have some work to do to to educate myself and to understand, right? And he went out of his way and he mm-hmm. talked, to, talked to people who have had those experiences and he did his Absolutely. best to to gain a better grasp on the situation. So, so how do we reach those people who aren't racist because they're hateful, but maybe they're racist because they, they just don't get it? Well, like I said earlier, and I will keep saying it, it's like simple dialogue. And sometimes stubbornness will get in the way of someone actually listening to you. But for someone to listen to you that won't listen, the, the best thing that you could do, in my opinion, is listen to them first. Even if you don't agree with what the person is saying, even if you're totally against it, don't let your own personal hate of what that person's motives are cloud your judgment. You know what's right and wrong. The best that you can do to help that person is let them speak their mind, let them express themselves, because... I'm a firm believer the first thing you say is the first thing you mean and is the only thing you mean. And honestly, and I can see that I, and I've developed that, that sense from before. That's what I kind of had before. It's like, Hey, okay, you know what? Someone can have an opinion, but that can change. Yeah. Right? So all you can do really is just let that person speak and let them speak to you. If he feels a type of way and he says some hurtful shit to you, you know what? The best thing you can do is take it on the goddamn chin. Sometimes like a good Christian or a good Muslim or a good, sorry, I don't know how many religions of good Buddhists, you know. Take mm-hmm. it on the chin and be like, all right, that's how you feel. All right, can you explain to me why you feel like that? All right, this is how I feel. And let me, let me explain why I feel like that towards what you're saying. I'm not saying this will completely work, that that person will understand how you feel, but at the same time, you expressing how you feel and listening and understanding where they're coming from can give them a better perspective of them helping, of you helping them understand you. Somebody could be as mad as they want and say the same, the worst shit to you. But if you can find a way to be man enough or woman enough to understand, like I'm better, I'm I'm not better, but we're bigger than this. Actually, we're bigger than that, but we are the same. There's no difference between us, except for maybe the pigmentation. But, you know, like I said earlier, we all bleed the same blood. Our hearts pump the same way. Our brains work the same way in a sense, not completely, but in a sense. We breathe the same fucking air, you know? Like, it's it's all simple shit. 
We can, we can talk to each other. We can figure out these problems by dialogue. We don't have to resort to violence. Unfortunately, it's gone to that point where people don't understand dialogue. Um, and I don't know what exactly it will take for them to change. But I feel like if the majority, the majority of the people act in a certain type of way, like there's a lot of followers out there. It's just how it is. There's a lot of followers out there. So if we all can act right and equal, people will look at it from that. And if they still feel that hate in their heart, man, I, I, I really believe that the best way to overcome personal issues and internal and mental issues that you have within yourself is expressing. You get it off your chest, I guarantee you, you feel 20 times better sometimes, you know? So you, you got it off your chest, you explain to me how you feel. I'll tell you how I feel. We can see something else completely different. We can, we can talk about some other shit. Because you know what? Some some people who are racist and, and they feel a certain type of way to certain races, man, like you'd be, most people would be surprised at how many things they have in common with other people. Other than the fact that, you know what? If they're black and I hate black people, whatever. You might like this game. You might like football. I might love football, you know? I might like football this way, and you might like it the same way. There's many things as common ground, you know? And we just need to find a place where we can talk. It, it just takes a little bit to fix a problem, but it also takes an open heart and an open mind, too. Uh, we, we, can't, we can't be prejudiced. We can't, we can't just judge something before you do it. You got to think a little bit more. You got to look at it for what it is not how you want to look at it. And that's the biggest thing. We can't just look at shit and be like, you have an assumption of what it is beforehand. You can't. You really can't. You, you, you have to be open-minded. You have to think about people's feelings. Like, and, and that's another thing. Like I said earlier, like, you ought you to gotta understand the shit you say can hurt somebody or help them. You can uplift them or fucking tear them down. So... We just got to be better together, in my opinion. I think a big reason why this is getting so much attention right now and because everyone is hearing it is because sports are pretty much on pause, right, due to to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think that's a good thing. But Mm -hmm. the day will come where sports are back and where stadiums and arenas are full again. Mm-hmm. So you and I, we obviously, this is our life. You know what I mean? Our lives pretty much revolve around sports, and they always have. How can sports help towards bringing us together and lead us to a place where this type of hatred is a thing of the past? Um, well, it's just like I saw this thing actually um, – Tom Herman, the coach of the University of Texas football team, he's like, he was just talking about how, like, hey, man, like, you come to the stadium, you cheer on these black players, and you cheer them on, you, you're hard out, you wear their jerseys, you yell, you chant their names, and then you let these guys date your daughters in the moment, and then after that, after the game, it's like, man, fuck that, he's a nigger, you know? Mm. It just, it comes down to, if you're going to accept me there, you have to accept me everywhere, you know? Don't cheer for me now and then hate me over there. It makes no sense. Um, we, we as athletes, we, we always try to portray as much unity as possible. 
sportsmanship. We, we, we try to be the best out there. At the same time, with the fairness of competition, we, we play equal. We, we don't discriminate against anybody, as far as I know right now. Um, but, you know, like, it just comes down to us being fucking human beings. I can't change the way someone thinks. I can't make them feel a certain type of way. I can't. I really can't, and I don't want to. I don't want that power. I don't want that control. I'm not entitled to that shit. But the least I could do as an athlete with white teammates and uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Arabic teammates and, and black teammates and at one point Asian, a couple Asian teammates is just, even right now too, sorry, um, is just show the fact that we're together. That's my brother, you know. I go to battle with this guy. I go out there, I risk my my health, my safety for this game I love playing with this guy. That's got to say something to you. For him yeah. to do the same thing for me too, it's got to say something to you. And if you can't see it, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You're just too blind to see at the moment. Hopefully you will see with one day. But, you know, some people just uh, are too stubborn to understand how how they express themselves can be be conveyed wrong, but um, the least we can do, like I said, is show that unification. You know, we're all in this together. We can show that every single time we're out there on the field that people watch us is you know strong. You know, it's practices. We 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 yeah, sit there and practice. There's people on our gates watching us. Like, whoa, what's going on? This is cool to watch. Yeah, we're all sitting there laughing, joking, having a good time. We get yelled at together. We take it on the fucking chin. We get better, you know. Yeah, we we, we everything that we do is together, um, and that's the one thing I love about sports. Like, man, it just really brings people together in a sense. It shows everyone that we're just one person, you know. We're one team, one heartbeat, one mind, one brain, you know. And and that's that's the least we can do, and that's what we keep trying to do, and we'll keep doing it for as long as we know. If I have to hug my brother every single time if for someone to see it, I will do it. And it's not just for that, because I love that guy, man. I don't just sit here and practice. I don't work my ass off six or seven days a week with this guy just because, you know what, I want to get win a game. It's like, no, nah, I want to win a game with you. That's mm-hmm. why I'm here. You know? And that's it. I feel like people got to understand that. Even within hockey, like, I know there's obviously some racism and there's some discrimination there because it's a predominant white sport. And it is in some of the sports too. Um, uh, but if people can't understand, like, man, there's black players on my team, for example, you talk, you talk about Anthony Duclair and PK Subban. People can't understand, like, these guys, these guys, their teammates, all their white teammates, view these guys as a fucking teammate. They don't view them as anything less than that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that's that's my bro, that's my teammate. I'm going to battle with this guy every day. Yeah. You ought to see it like that. If your favorite player can see it like that and you really follow him, man, just look at him. Look look at what he's doing. If he's inspirational to you, follow in his footsteps. If he inspires you to be the best, be the best person you can be, you know? And if it means including everybody, then do it. Sometimes you may not think it's right because you're taught to hate, but if you if you decide to be the bigger man and a bigger person in that situation, trust me, the repercussions will, will be fucking great for you later on everything will be good for you you know yeah yeah man it, it goes back to what you were saying about about life being a team game right like i i thought the same way when i was playing like i didn't care if you were white yellow green blue brown or orange you know if you were 
wearing the same colors as me and we were going out and bleeding together, you were my brother. And I think that's, I think that's something that needs to, we need to translate to real life more. Uh, man, this has been awesome. I really appreciate, appreciate you doing it. I, I just got one more question before I let you go here. Yeah, for, yeah. For, for those of us who aren't black and can't understand that lived experience, but want to help regardless, what are some things we can do not only to gain perspective, but to help further the cause of equality? Um, well, you got to understand, like in North America, especially and in Europe, those are continents that are predominantly white. Um, I, I think it was brought to my attention yesterday. I didn't really know the numbers, to be honest. But someone said, like, how do they? I know it's like three or three forty almost million people in the United States, and there's thirty seven million years in Canada. The majority of the people here, it's like upwards of twenty million are white, upwards of two hundred million who are white in the state in the states. I feel like the one thing is the few things that we can do. It's like, man, like you guys in reality are the majority. We're called a minority for a reason. You guys are the majority. If you really understand what we feel and how we feel, and if you're trying to understand, like, or at least help. Your voice matters. Your voice matters just as much as mine, you know? And more say, like, it might, it might matter more sometimes. With being the majority, you, we put the people who we want to see empowered who represent us. And we're not just trying to say, put a, put a minority up there so he can help out minorities. No, it's like, man, put out somewhere there who cares for me, my friend, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad. He cares for everyone. He doesn't just care for the money. He doesn't just care for his people being successful. No, he cares for everyone being successful. He wants to see the best for his country. He wants to see, they want to see the best for them, for their community, you know? That's that's the best thing we could do. And and I, if there's any advice I can give you, like if, if you have a question, I'm free to answer anything, you know? Like if you if you really want to know, like I know plenty of black people are willing, more than willing enough to, express their feelings and their thoughts and how how they go through life and they're willing to share their story you know they're not afraid and neither should you like, you shouldn't be afraid of me because of my skin i shouldn't be afraid of you because you're skin none of that me we, we are all bigger than this and like i keep reiterating um we the same we breathe the same we even poop the same you know <laughs> so the least we could do is just always just uh show everyone like we're equal you know and uh you being the majority like use your voice if you want to meet if you want to be a change be the change don't wait for some bs to happen we can take initiative and that's all it takes just be initiative make that first initial move you know yeah you ought to make the first move on the chessboard if you want to fucking control the game Man, I think that's a great way of putting it. And thank you for coming on. Uh, this is a conversation that I think is going to be really valuable to people. And I've said this, you know, last week and whatnot. Um, your experience is not something that I could ever hope to totally understand. But you have my word that I'm going to listen. I'm going to do my best to learn and use my voice, like you said. And my platform is open to you absolutely anytime you want to use it. And I will personally use it to to do what's right. So I want to thank you for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
Man, I appreciate you having me. Um, to all to all your listeners and, and also all our Senators fans, man, like go Sens. Uh, one. <laughs> second of all man like hey i hopefully it opens your eyes and opens your ears a little bit and even hopefully your hearts but if not man just give it a quick thought you know run it past yourself do your own research if you want to go justify anything you want to justify i encourage you to um be you don't ever let anybody tell you differently and that's that's the biggest message right there don't let nobody discriminate you or stop you from being you and be expressive because you have that right and if you want to be educated in something else that you don't know about, there's plenty of lines open and everyone's willing to learn right now and willing to teach. I'm willing, I'm a willing listener too. So if you have something to say to me, hit me up with it. I'm, I'm willing to talk. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you on the socials? Um, on Instagram, you can find me at Jua, just simply it's my name, D-J-U-W-A. Uh, Twitter, same thing, Jua14. DJUWA14. Uh, reach me on any of those platforms. I'll, I'll make sure I can get back to you as soon as possible. We can discuss anything. Um, any further questions, I'm always available. You know, Guys, make sure you hit Jua up on both those platforms. Give him a follow. If you have any questions, like he said, he will definitely answer you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe, rate it five stars, and share it with your friends, especially this one, because I don't know that we've done an episode that was as important as this one. Thanks again for listening, folks. Stay home. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Take care, y'all.